Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Everybody, we are truly glad to have you here with us. We're kind of on the liftoff stage of this new series called The Jesus Difference. What I want to start us out with today is to give us a uh, kind of like an overarching truth. We call them a maxim. You're going to find this in each of the uh, messages that are going to be coming up with regards to the Jesus difference. And it's this. If Jesus isn't making a difference in any relationship or area of our life, it's because he is absent. I may want to just write this down. I may want to take a screenshot of it if that's easier for you to do. If Jesus isn't making a difference in any relationship or area of our life, it's because he is absent in it. You see, Jesus always makes a difference. He always makes a difference relationally. This series comes right out of the book of Ephesians, which has been described as an intensely relational book. In fact, some people have called it, it's relentlessly relational. And what it's gonna do is it's gonna open up for us, what is the, dif- the Jesus difference in our relationship with God? The difference that, that would make. Actually, in our relationship with ourselves, in our relationship with others, in our relationship in marriage, in a relationship in family in relationship at work, in relationship with our neighbors, and we just kind of go on and on from there. Today we want to start with the first, and I think probably we should call it the greatest Jesus difference making in a relationship, which would be our relationship with God. Now if you have a Bible, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2. You can kind of start heading out that way. I want to use four questions that are actually going to kind of guide us through the first part of chapter two together. And the questions are going to be these. One, what was my spiritual condition before the Jesus difference took place in my life? Two, what did God do? Why did God do it? Third question is going to be, how does one receive the Jesus difference or receive Jesus? And we also wanna ask this last question before we're done. Is there a connection between the Jesus difference and good works in our life? Those are four questions we'll kind of weave through and build off of. Would you join me in this prayer? Jesus, very simply, we would ask that we could experience you and your difference in our life. I pray, Holy Spirit, that your power will be unmistakable and it will be personable. Thank you. That's our prayer. We ask it in the name of Jesus. And everybody in agreement said? Amen. Amen. Now, if you happen to have a Bible with you, would you take it and turn with me to the book of Ephesians? If you could pull this up on your phone, if you've got a Bible app, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2. I think it's going to be really helpful for a couple reasons. One, it's going to kind of allow you to get more out of it as we look at this together. It's also going to give you like a bookmark, because I think you're going to want to go back and to revisit this, this first part of the week. So we start in verse number one, we read, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. 
Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now, several times the Jesus difference is being mentioned there. We go back and look at verse number one and we personalize it. It would read this way. I'm gonna ask you to read this together with me. I think we're gonna have that up there. Yep, I think we're just glitching a little bit there. Verse one would say this, personalized. It would be, as for me, I was dead in my transgressions and sins. So the first question we were asking is this. What is my spiritual condition before the Jesus difference in my life? And the very simple answer to that is, I was dead. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands. But I'm wondering how many people would say, that's exactly the way I thought about myself. I've always seen myself just as a dead person. Really? I mean, really, is that how you see yourself? In fact, if we were doing a, a dead scale right now, we go one to 10, where would you have put yourself? I mean, would you, are you, maybe you're on the one side, you know, just kind of like, just a little dead. Maybe you're in the five, you know, you're kind of just a little bit of rigor mortis there, or you could be like a 10, you know, like dead, dead that way. How many would, you know, how many really have seen yourself spiritually? I mean, you see yourself on the, on the above five. I mean, you're like on the dead, dead side of things. How many look at yourself that way? Like, oh, that's how I always think of myself. Yeah. How many would be like less than five? Yeah, and how many are like, I'm not sure how to answer this question yet. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor Rod was teaching our staff um, CPR, kind of in, in line with uh, DeMar Hamlin. It's like, how do we step in to be prepared in case we are in a situation in which somebody needs CPR? And he's talking to us about chest compressions. And he made this statement, it really stuck with me. He said, when you're doing chest compressions on a person, you don't have to worry about hurting them because they're dead. Now that made a lot of sense to me that way. <laughs> So what does it mean? What is being talked about here saying that we are spiritually dead? Well, if we were to take just a real quick compilation of scriptures, we would you know, start with, it's true that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. And Isaiah 59 probably helps us the most with this. When it says that the trouble is your sins have cut you off from God, or they have separated you from God. Spiritual death occurs when we are separated from God. There becomes a gulf that is in the midst of us. There's a disconnect with God, and that happens when we sin. Now, sin can simply be described as my choice to do what I know God doesn't want me to do. And I'm just going to ask the question. Anybody here that would acknowledge there has been a time in your life that you did something you knew God didn't want you to do? Anybody like that? Anybody lying right now? 
Like, because my hand, okay. How about this, the inverted? Sin is when I don't do what I know God wants me to do, but I'm just saying no to it. Anybody ever been a time that you knew there was something God wanted you to do, but you're like, I'm not gonna do it? Anybody like that? Can I see your hand? Like, yeah, okay. So, like, we've all done this, and it results in death. Now, if you're still open to the scripture on your phone, you could just kind of look down these first three verses and go like, man, this makes it sound really, really bad, you know, dead in our transgression and sin. And what it's really doing is it's, it's trying to help us to understand. There's a theological term called the total depravity of man. You may have heard of that before. Now, the total depravity of man, it's not saying that you are as bad, as depraved as you can possibly be. It's not saying that at all. I mean, the good news is you can always be worse. But the total depravity of man is the fact that sin has infected all of us. It's affected all of us fully, totally. This is going to help us, I hope, understand this a little bit more. Our bodies are made up of about 70% of water. This is a really good you know, analogy with ourselves. So you've got water, you've got the purity of that. You can take that which is pure, and if we add just one drop in here, you're gonna watch that move. And let me ask, it's a rhetorical question, I know, but how much of this water has been polluted? What percent? Like. I'm not taking a drink out of this anymore that way. Now, we said, it's not that you can't make it worse. I mean, we can keep adding to this, and I guarantee you, it's gonna spread and get worse and worse. This happened to be strychnine. One drop is all it is going to take to be able to put us in the grave in less than 30 minutes. When we deny the reality that my sin has affected me and in essence polluted my spirit has brought spiritual death to me. When we deny it, one of the things that can happen is that we never experience the Jesus difference in our life with God because in essence, we really don't think that we need it. The other problem is when we lose touch with this, we deny it, is even though we've received the Jesus difference with God, we minimize it. And we think, well, you know, Jesus kind of helped me along the way a little bit, but it wasn't that great a thing as in bringing somebody who is spiritually dead and giving them spiritual life. So to miss out on a truth, well, we can miss it or minimize it greatly. So we don't want to do that, which will then take us to the second question that we said we want to use to kind of guide us through this passage, and that is, so just what did God do, and why did God do it? You might find this interesting, again, if it's open in front of you. If you would just kind of glance down from verses 1 through 7 in the original language, this is one single sentence. I mean, that's like, that's a long sentence, right? 1 through 7 is one sentence. But in the middle of it, 
At the end of three, there is a semicolon. And it's followed by these two words. But God. Would you say it with me? But God. Even though I was dead in my transgressions and sin, ready? But God, and verses four and five go on to say this, because of his great love, who was rich in mercy, by his grace, saved me. What did God do? Well, fact, I was dead. I was, my soul, this is the effect that sin had on it. And I was spiritually dead. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish. But we would be able to experience everlasting life. Now, we may wonder, how is it that a dead person can be alive again? And this is one of the coolest things. Romans 1, 16 just kind of opens it up when it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation or that brings salvation. We talked a little bit earlier about the Jesus survey. And for those of you who did it, thank you again for that. If you haven't, I think you'd really enjoy doing it. What do you think about Jesus? What do you understand about Jesus? And a couple of personal questions. In that survey, one of the things that kind of came to the surface was this. There is a lack of confidence in being able to share Jesus or feeling ready to be able to share Jesus with others. And that's really good, to, you know, good feedback for us. Now, I know a part of that is we just want to get it right. Right? If we're going to share Jesus, I got, I got to have the right answers. I got to know everything you need to know. And that's putting a lot of the weight or the monkeys on our back. And what I want us to do is I want you to get the monkey off your back and put it right back where it belongs because God says, I can carry that monkey. When we share the gospel, none of the gospel, like here's good news. Jesus did for me what I couldn't do for myself. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He's risen again. If we can just convey that message in love to whoever it is we're talking about, it's the gospel that will change a person's life, not you. It's the gospel that's gonna bring life. It's not up to us to do it. All we have to do is that simple part and put our faith and trust in the gospel and get the monkey off of our back. That's good news, isn't it? And we can all do that together. That's what God did. Which then brings up this third question. And the third question is, how does one receive the Jesus difference in their life, specifically with regards to God? Now, if you're still looking at the scripture, we read on in verses eight and nine. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Now again, please leave your Bible open, we'll come back to that again in a second. When it comes to the Jesus difference in our life, one of the greatest potential mistakes that we make, it has to do with this idea of our good works or what we're going to do. This is often represented, I believe, with a scale. Because with the scale, we believe, you may have believed this at one time, I certainly believe this at one time, I believed that if I could just do enough good works that would outweigh the bad works or the bad things I've done in my life, then I would be able to go to heaven. You ever believe that? A good person does enough good 
gets them to heaven. That's what, it's, that's what the scale would communicate. Now, two kind of fatal flaws with this. One, it's that if a good person, but remember, we don't start as a good person, we start out as a dead person. So that's a problem. But the other problem with it, and the bigger problem is this, the purpose of the scale. The purpose of the scale is justice. Everybody hear the scale of justice before? Yep, yeah, right? So the scale of justice. Let me ask you, how many of you want justice from God? How many of you want God to give you what you deserve? How many want God to give you the consequences for your sin? I do not want that at all because that's the wage of sin is death and of its separation from God. I mean, that's where the whole idea of hell starts that way. The scale is a big problem. I mean, good works is kind of like, if that brings me to the scale, I got a problem. So how do we help a person? How do we give good news to somebody who's believing in the scale? I mean, they're just believing like, I'm doing enough good things, I'm trying to you know, offset the bad things in my life so that God will accept me and that's gonna make the Jesus difference in my life. What do we do? I think we do share the good news or the gospel. Because Jesus didn't come to bring us a scale. Watch this. Jesus actually came to remove the scale. Jesus came for the cross. And the cross is not a place of justice. The, pl- the cross is a place of mercy. Because of what Jesus did here. You know what grace has been called before, G-R-A-C-E? It's God's riches at Christ's expense. This is the good news. I don't have to face the scale. I don't have to deal with the scale. I can come to the cross. So you're going on the bottom line here, and maybe you want to just jot this down. Jesus didn't die to make good people better. Jesus died to make dead people alive. Jesus didn't come to make up a difference in your life, you know, what what you were lacking that way. Jesus came to do for you what you could never do for yourself. That's the power and good news of grace. It's a church out east. It's a multi-campus church as well. And what they do on the first of each year is they kind of bring everybody together on the first and do a um, communion service. And the way they did it, um, this particular service, is they just invited people to come forward and they just kind of have a section of people and they did communion together and they would kneel together and receive communion. It was a pretty meaningful time from what I'm told. The pastor who's just kind of you know, helping and serving that way noted that there was, it was state Supreme Court justice, a friend of his, who was there, and also somebody he knew, child of a family in the church, who was a felon had done 10 years and just gotten out. And it just so happened that they were kneeling together and receiving communion. So afterwards, the pastor, he comes up and he asks the judge, he goes like, hey, did you happen to notice who who was by you that way? And the judge goes like, oh, I recognize that. Immediately, he said, and I'm just reminded of the power and the wonder of the grace of God. And the pastor's kind of like, you know me too. It's a miracle 
you know, that, that, you know, that a felon could find Jesus and be here today. And the judge just kind of looked at him with this quirky look, and he goes like, well, I guess. But he goes, that's not what I'm talking about. And the pastor's like, what? He goes, judge, he goes like, what would you expect? I mean, a felon, he realizes with all the difficulty he's been through how much he needs God in his life. He goes, I'm talking about me. He said, I was raised in a good home. I went to good schools. I went to Oxford. I sit on the highest state court that we have here. For me to recognize my sinful state before God and the need that I have for the grace of God in my life, he said, that's the miracle that I was referring to. Today, kind of a special day, fill in here. If you ever come into my office, you're going to see something hanging on my wall. I'll throw it up on the screen so you get a little bit um, better picture of it. I've told before, um, when I received Jesus, a person explained to me the gospel and they used a page of their Bible. And it's actually this page that's in here right now. When he was done explaining, he took that page, he ripped it out of his Bible and I thought I was gonna wet myself at that point. Like, I like, like he just ripped the page out of the Bible. And he gave it to me and I just happened to, and it was like, and, and, I, and I kept it. And so this is kind of like the commemorative part of it. But what I wanna point out today is if we just kind of go up into the corner here, you're gonna see the date that this took place. So this is the day that Jesus' difference took place in my life. And if you note it, the date happened to be February 12th, 1973. And if you just glance down at your watch or calendar or your phone, you would realize that today is February what? Today is February 12th. 2023, it was 50 years to the day that I trusted and received Jesus in my life. And I'll take some of that celebration that way. Now, why do I bring this up? Because I'm really hoping for birthday gifts. Spiritual birthday today, cash is... I want to be able to stand here and tell you the difference that Jesus can make in an individual's life because this is such a description of God's life before. And the difference that God is making, well, the scripture put it this way, Philippians 1, 6, that he who began a good work in you, February 12, 1973, will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's not done working in my life. God's still, you know, very active that way. I'm still growing in my faith. I'm growing in my relationship with God. But that Jesus difference has changed so much. If you haven't received it yet, today we could share spiritual birthdays. Your spiritual birthday could become February 12th, 2023, when you came and received the grace that Jesus made available to you. But one more question before we're done. The question is, does good works and the Jesus difference have a connection? And before we answer that, I wanna read verse number 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he's saying here, Every one of us that have now received Jesus, 
by grace and faith. It says we are God's handiwork. God is at work in our lives. And he's working uniquely to be able to help us to be able to do good works. Now, here's kind of a good works enigma that I'll give to you. Good works before the Jesus difference in our life, before receiving Jesus, that can be our greatest error. We think that we're going to be able to use the scale to get to heaven. But good works afterward, well, that can be our greatest neglect. We could phrase it this way. We are not saved by doing good works, but we are saved for doing good works. Can you say that with me? I am not saved by doing good works, but I am saved for doing good works. How many ever did show and tell when you were in school? I love show and tell, because you didn't have to do any other schoolwork during show and tell, for sure, right? I mean, y'all know what show and tell is, right? Somebody brings something in, and then they tell about it that way. God said, I want all of my kids involved with show and tell. I want you to show good works, and I want you to tell good news. I want you to show good works, or you could say, because your heart is people, And I want you to tell good news because the message is Jesus. And this is kind of a soul-searching question that I'm gonna bring to us right now, but it's it's a very important question. And it's a question only you can answer for yourself, though other people around you certainly would have an opinion about it. The question is this. Are you known for good works? At home, at school, In your neighborhood, on the job, are you known? Is your reputation of good works? Like I said, it's soul searching. And are you known for being able to share good news along with it? Because God said, after the Jesus difference, I want your life to be marked by good works. One of the good works that he would want all of us to do, Jesus would say, every one of my followers, once you've received me, I want you to be baptized with believers' baptism. Now, why would he want to do that? It's show and tell. He says, when you get into the water and go under the water and come up out of the water, it's showing what's happened inside of you. But then I also want you to tell those that you invite, those that hear about it, those that ask you about it, tell them what God has done or is doing in you. Opportunity that we got coming up in just a couple weeks. You may have seen it in the announcements. Dr. Lena Aberjamru. I've actually known Lena for well over 20 years right now. Medical doctor, great Bible teacher. When she comes in to help us to understand the Jesus difference with fear and anxiety in our lives, what an opportunity for us to be able to, if you know somebody that struggles with fear, struggles, you know, anxiety, you know, desiring, you know, here's a medical, you know, professional that's coming in, doctor's gonna come in to be able to, you know, um, speak with us here. It's a great opportunity for you to invite a friend, to come out, to bring others with you so that you can, again, use this show and tell that we've got going on here. And of course, it would just go on and on. We want to be able to set up opportunities here for show and tell, right? To serve and to be able to do these good works like 
cars ministry. Like uh, Second Saturday just took place yesterday. Next one will be the second Saturday of March. You can kind of circle that on your calendar that way. I mean, we'll go into, into nursing homes at the food pantry to help misfits for Jesus that way. Just coming and finding a place because God has made you to be able to be a part of your church, to do good works, to help other people. It's the show and tell. But he's made us especially to be known for it all seven days of the week. And there is an achievable challenge that I want to put before us, everybody that has received this Jesus difference with your relationship with God. You've become a child of God through faith in Jesus. And if that's you, would you join me in this week to make a concerted effort to make sure that we do one good work every day of the week? Now, you do have permission to do more if you'd like, but, the goal, but, but, but one. And you're like, oh, what does that mean? Well, be creative here, right? Maybe you're going to buy coffee for somebody that's standing in front of you or behind you in line at Starbucks. Maybe you're going to volunteer to babysit for somebody that could use a break. Maybe you're going to anonymously help out somebody giving them a gift giving them a little bit of encouragement and the list could just go on and on and we could use one another's help in fact scripture says this that we should spur one another on or encourage one another to do good works why is that because that's what we should be known for that's what we get to show so that we get to tell the good news. Show good works. Tell good news. Show, say it, good works. Tell good news. Show, tell, if there's been the Jesus difference in your life. That's what should mark us by that. If you haven't received Jesus, as I said earlier, you don't get it through the scale, thank God, you don't have to have the scale of justice, but you can have the cross of grace. If you'll come to the cross, to Jesus, and asking for what he did for you on the cross to be applied in your life for the forgiveness of sins and to be a child of God, then we will share a spiritual birthday of February 12th. I'm just 50 years ahead of you. <laughs> Would you pray with me? Lord, you've made us to do good works and we want to commit ourselves to doing that. It seems like a small thing and a big thing for the next seven days to make a concerted effort that every day I am going to do some good work, something that reflects the love of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God in an understandable way to people in my life. And if that's your prayer, would you tell God that right now? And Jesus, for those that are ready to come to you for life, to come to you for the forgiveness of their sins and to receive you as their personal savior, even as they pray this prayer, Jesus, that's exactly what I want. That's exactly what I need. 
as best I understand, I, I ask you and receive you as my savior. If that's your prayer, would you acknowledge it with an upraised hand right now? That's my prayer to receive Jesus Christ. If you're online, you can just acknowledge that in the chat. If you're gonna wave at me, sometimes it'll take me to see, yeah, to see that. Thank you for these hands, Lord. Thank you for the work that you're doing in people's lives. And thank you that this is just the beginning. We love you. Thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all pray together. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,